0: Hey everyone, this is Dave Cruz from Flyber Labs, a podcast on business and innovation in the Midwest and beyond. Here you'll meet fascinating people and learn about new technologies and practices that will change how you look at life and business. Enjoy. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Flyber Labs. Today we are lucky enough to have Hari Nair with us. and Hari is the Group Chief Strategy and Innovation Officer for Syme Darby. So many of you have probably not heard of Saim Darby, but you probably should. They're a huge conglomerate with about $13 billion in revenue, and uh, they're based in Malaysia, and their divisions include plantations, industrial equipment, motors, ports, property, and energy. And somehow Hari is supposed to execute strategy and innovation across all these sectors, so it must be a fascinating challenge. So I invited Hari on the show to talk more about his role at Saim Darby, and his background and how he approaches innovation and strategy. So, Hari, thanks for coming on the show today.
1: Hey, glad to be here.
0: Definitely appreciate it. So, and uh, want everyone to know that Hari actually grew up in Wisconsin, the home of Flyer Labs, and went went to the University of Wisconsin in Madison. So, kind of a special treat. He's not in Madison anymore, but or hasn't been for a while. But nice to have him on the on the show. So, with that, Hari, do you want to just give us a brief overview of your background?
1: Yeah, I am a I am a cheesehead, believe it or not. Uh, from a from a, a long time ago, uh, I still love my Badgers and I still love my Packers. Uh, even though I've lived in Asia for the last uh, 14, 15 years, I I keep up on the on the games and and uh, still a huge fan. Uh, so a little bit about me, I, I um, I'm a you know chemical engineer from University of Wisconsin and uh, started my career with uh, Procter and Gamble. Uh, Spent uh, 14 years there, uh, both at the headquarters in Cincinnati and then later on in uh, China uh, with uh, Procter & Gamble for about four years. And then uh, I left uh, Procter to go work with um, a Harvard Business School professor named Clayton Christensen, uh, um, and and he had a small firm called InnoCite, uh, which really... Uh, dealt with disruptive innovation, and 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 really trying to make that more of a um, understanding why companies who who are large, you know, like uh, Darby or Procter and Gamble, um, you know, struggle with uh, sort of these sort of what we call disruptive innovations that come in, and they usually come in from sort of the entrepreneur or some some smaller guy, right? And uh, so I was really fascinated with that. So I went to work with him for six years, uh, helped set up the the Asian practice for his firm, and we they, they also, they huh. also had a little venture fund called Inside Ventures.
0: How did he get and, that? And then, then later on... Or how did he get to, I mean, because uh, he's kind of a legend. So how, how did you uh, get involved with Christensen?
1: Well, you know, it's interesting because I... For me, it was... Um, Unlike a lot of the other people who work in consulting companies, I, you know, I was viewed myself as a practitioner. So I read his book, uh, Innovators Dilemma, which came out in I think 1997, 98, and I was actually fascinated with that whole concept because I, you know, at that time I was a relatively young, uh, you know, manager in R and D in Procter and Gamble, uh, and I could see, you know, uh, even though we weren't directly getting disrupted in, 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 in you know, on, on north american laundry business which is what i worked on um on, on the tide business um I, I could still see the challenges he was writing about i mean this is this is it i mean so i was really fascinated with that and then i read the then i went to china um and i really saw the real issues of, of of you know trying to innovate um you know when you've got disruptive threats whether it's private label or you know kind of the rules and things systems that as as a incumbent you have to follow versus the challenger right so i was really thinking again you know how do we reconcile these two things so so in 2006 i you know i it's interesting she just was out of the blue i i um, i i upon, i was reading an article i said hey you've got this firm um <laughs> called so i i I never sent a CV in, and, huh. and I um, saw a chance, to, you know, and then within 24 hours, uh, uh, somebody contacted me and said, hey, we'd like to talk to you, because I, I had no idea he was setting up an office in Asia. But, you know, wow. few you know, weeks later, we, you know, I, I took the leap of faith and said, yeah, I'm going to do it. And, uh, you know, I, I really thought it was going to be a couple of years, Dave, in, in consulting. <laughs> um, I didn't think it was going to last any longer than that, but it ended up being uh, six fantastic years and, and you know, Each year was a new learning opportunity for me, and then, and then the last, um, then I left that to go to join Kimberly Clark. uh, You know, another uh, company well rooted in Wisconsin, uh, and led their innovation uh, out of Korea. uh, They have a a large innovation center in Korea, and they recruited me to basically, you know, help set that up and, and get that up and running and then 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 finally, just a year ago, i joined cyberrvy uh, as the group chief strategy innovation officer so so it's a been a it's been a great journey um have a lot that i've been fortunate to be part of And, um and uh you know i it, it's still i'm still learning i would say you know twenty five years into my career i'm still learning every day
0: <laughs> well uh, that's great and that's good that's of course the the best attitude right we're all we're all learning. We, as we get more into it, I think we all realize how little we know. <laughs> so we have to keep learning, but, uh, absolutely. Um, so, you know, when you uh, went to Kimberly Clark or assigned Darby, like, how do you approach kind of from the innovation perspective? Like, what do you do in your first, you know, hundred days or what questions you start asking or who do you talk to? I, um, yeah. How do you approach that?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. You know, in
0: my approach, uh, you know, first of all, I think, I think it's just really interesting
1: having worked in large companies and being an entrepreneur, I've started up companies. You know, one thing about innovation I've noticed, whoever you talk to is everybody has sort of a different definition for innovation. You ask a hundred people what innovation means, you'll get a hundred different, you know, you know, sort of meanings of it. So the first thing I try to do is, is come to some kind of a common, uh, you know, landing on what does innovation really mean for the company I'm working for, you know, and it means different things for different companies, and and for me, you know, it, it's really important that innovation is tied into the strategic, um, you know, uh, plans of the company, in fact, the innovation part is the execution of, the, of your strategy, so people kind of make it really complicated, like, oh, you know, you've got strategy, and you've got innovation, sometimes we call it R&D, but, you know, I've always had a very simple definition, which is, you know, the, the innovation is what, it helps execute your strategy, whatever your strategy is, and, and so that, that, with that definition in mind, you know, and that was what attracted me to this role here in San Darby was, uh, it was one of the few places in the world where strategy and innovation uh, were combined. Um, you know, often you have a strategy department sitting somewhere in headquarters, and you've got an innovation department I should say, plural. You know, scattered across multiple parts of the world, and and it, you know there are there are times where there's really good connections between those two, but more often than not, there you know something gets lost in the translation of when you convert a strategy into your your your, your execution slash innovation plan, and and this is what drew me to this job because I saw that was a big problem in a lot of the areas where the companies I consulted for, as well as companies I worked for, where you know the strategy would be there, but what was being executed wasn't really consistent with the strategy. Uh, so, so I think that's really important. Coming to a definition and then defining your strategy, and then and then aligning your innovation. That's like step three is aligning your innovation to, to enable your strategy to come to fruition, and and that's really uh, you know starts with you know setting up capabilities. You know whether it's you know generating ideas, how you manage portfolio of ideas, how you value the ideas, meaning you know what kind of a portfolio value do you create. Uh, implementing things like Stagegate that allows you to, you know, sort of take ideas to commercialization, setting up a venture lab that allows you to do experimentation that, you know, big companies can't do very well, but, but we have to start doing it. Um, and then, and the final part is talent. You know, you gotta, you gotta really, you know, as a CIO, I think, you know, 60% of my job is, is really working with the talent, making sure we've got the right talent that can execute these ideas. Um, uh, some you know that requires you to get very close with hr and, uh, and the business partners to make sure that you've got the right people uh if you don't you have to also find the right people um whether it's outside of the company or you bring them in as you know sort of as contractors if you need to to get things going uh, so those, those are you know i mean the summary but those are the key areas that, that i that i tend to focus on
0: huh, no that's great and uh yeah, you can tell you're well versed. <laughs> That's good. That was a very good response. And and before, and I kind of want to dig into that a little deeper. But before we do, can you give folks a overview on Simon Darby? I kind of gave a brief overview, but maybe sure, I, sure. And then and kind of your um, your priorities as head of innovation and strategy there. Yeah.
1: You well know, I mean you know there's a british company it's a it's a 110 year old company it's um, it has its roots in um uh, in, in in the uh in the british colonial era where um you know parts of malaysia and, and and indonesia and other parts of the british colonies were used to uh to to you know supply Know, uh, materials for, for the British Empire, and and in the in the case of Simon Darby, it was really uh, palm plantation, so palm oil, which was uh which is where I think uh, you know and palm and rubber, I should say. So there was rubber, palm. And this part of the world, um, you know, is is very very lucky in the sense that it gets a uh, you know a nice uh, weather uh, all the time uh tropical <laughs> um and you also have uh, almost daily rainfall although nowadays with the climate change that's getting increasingly unpredictable but but you get rainfall you got sun you got rain rain and you have really nutritious soil so you end up having a, a place that's very fertile to grow you know uh, these the things like palm. so so the british realized that and they started you know building the palm plantation. so that's how our the roots of the company is really associated with the a palm plantation business but you know um But over time, the company has evolved and, and, you know, uh, it was involved in a lot of different businesses, Uh, but today, you know, we're really involved in... um I call it really four core businesses. Um, we have a the uh, plantation business, which still continues. Um, we're one of the largest plantation um, uh, companies in the world, uh, and we also uh, have a very differentiated position in the sense that we, we produce uh, sustainable palm oil. Which you know, palm oil has got a you know a, a lot of different components to it, but um, but you know, we, we we are the pioneers of what we call sustainable practices uh, related to uh, to to palm oil production. So, uh, sustainable palm oil is kind of our key focus area, and we're the world's largest uh, producer of that. And then, uh, we have other divisions, um, also today, the three other major divisions we have is the property division. So we develop, uh, you know, property across, uh, you know, Malaysia, and we also have a, a big project going on in, in the UK and London called Battersea. Uh, and then we also have um, a, a division called Motors, uh, which is really a motors distribution business. So we distribute um, a lot of cars in this part of the world, in, in Malaysia, China, Australia, Hong Kong, Singapore, and their brands like BMW. We also do Ford here, uh, Land, Land Rover, Jaguar, Hyundai, so quite a, quite a lot. Um, uh in fact by revenue, uh motors business is, is probably big is our largest contributor oh. to the company. Uh and then um finally um we have a, a business unit called industrial which is largely a caterpillar distributor. Uh they're they're very much focused on um you know the mining business in, in uh, particularly in Australia and China. Uh and, and so so you know it's a it's a it's a Really, a true conglomerate. You know, you've got four very different business units, um, and that makes the innovation challenge that much more interesting. And it was, you know, kind of drew me to this because you know, while you know you can have common philosophies around innovation, you, you can't really impose a one-size-fits-all solution to each division. So you got to kind of you know tailor-make, if you will, the, the, the program that again links back to those individual division strategies um, so that we can actually execute those uh, so that's uh, that's been really uh, interesting for me and intellectually um, you know, very uh, stimulating
0: and, and can you walk us through because you know you mentioned when you're going through how you approach uh, innovation strategy that uh, Simon Darby combines the two strategy innovation so I mean, can you walk us through an example of that at Simon Darby and how that might be different at another company how they might separate that out
1: yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, you know, whether it's time or other sort of, sort of well-run, um, innovation-focused companies, there are quite a few. I think they would I'll follow a, you know, the approach I, I described. They would look at their strategic, you know, plan, whether it's a five-year plan or ten-year plan, and what they'll try to do is they'll try to forecast out what current kind of organic growth, um, can give them in terms of both revenue or profit or whatever, and, and then they'll start to see. All right, here's what we can get, and then there's. But our aspiration is is something bigger, and then that that um, uh, difference between the aspiration and what we can get sort of defines your your bogey for innovation. You know, is, is sort of the way I think the, most companies are doing it well. At least start with that kind of a conversation. I mean, other, but there are companies who, who sort of look at innovation. Um, uh, uh, still as a, um, you know, as sort of a brainstorming exercise or something where I just need ideas and, you know, I, I don't know. It, it isn't very structured or strategic. It's, it's more of, Hey, I can help us do innovation for the sake of innovation. Sounds like a really good trendy fuzzy, buzz, buzzword. <laughs> right. So let me do some innovation. Um, and I mean, to be honest with you, I, I, I when I was consulting, I, you would you do would, you would come across that sometimes, you know, especially uh, in, in places where, um, the business, you know, you, you know, was, markets were growing really well, right? I saw this a lot in India, uh, in the, in, you know, from say 2006 to 2009 or 10, where, you know, the, 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 the volume growth was significant. I saw this in China as well, I should say, uh, where you, you know, these markets were growing, you know, you didn't really have to innovate a whole lot. You could just grow because, you know, the GDP was growing really fast and, and, you know, you could just put products out there. And there was a time when, you know, that that would work, but it's when um, things slow down, uh, it's when you know market pressures start to really you know um, uh, come in uh, that de- differentiates the, the, the well-run organizations from the ones who who don't have those programs. And and sometimes, uh, and very often, uh, it is the case that it, it, by the time the companies figure out they should have been innovating when times were good. Um, it's mm-hmm. often too late, right so, so when times are good, generally innovation takes a second seat because you're like, you know okay, I got making all this profit why would I, why would I want to invest in, in innovation? I'll just rather you know take that profit and And I think I think the, the smarter companies understand that there are cycles you have to prepare for and um, uh, they, they tend to you know at least uh, even when times are good will we'll in, in, you know, in, invest in, in, uh, in, in uh, the innovation systems but the other challenge I think a lot of companies have is the organization and talent piece right I think um you know the the, the, the there's a massive underestimation of the talent challenge uh, around innovation by most large companies um and I think it's just uh, the investment you've got to do to develop the right talent uh, especially today you know in, in 2016 when you when you see the the capabilities that are out there that are outside often, you know, companies want to rely on their own systems to get stuff done, uh, whether it's their own IT systems or their own HR systems or whatever it may be. And then you, you look outside, you know, you've got, um, you know, systems out there that, you know, whether it's from, from entrepreneurs who can, it's more or less good enough to to get stuff done. But but you know, companies are hampered by their internal systems uh, and, and and often they're not as fast and, and sometimes they're not as cheap as what's on the outside so so that's a real uh, uh, second issue right now today people are facing and even if you've got the right strategic framework and you've got the right programs how fast do you accelerate that you know and that you know companies you know struggle with that. even the good companies you know that are doing innovation struggle with that in my view and and um, so I'm trying to do a little bit of both you know I'm I'm obviously trying to build uh, the strategic framework and and, uh, the whole uh, approach to driving it through innovation but then in parallel also set up the capability some inside the company some outside the company to accelerate our innovation because you need you need all those things to make it happen.
0: Gotcha and so uh so are you looking for outside uh, companies to partner with do you do much of that to help drive innovation uh, can you,
1: you say that again I, oh, I, do you, I lost oh, yeah, you there do you, uh,
0: do you uh partner with outside companies um whether it's startups or existing companies to drive innovation yeah. as well as yeah
1: We need to um you know I'd I say you know um I in Sandarby that's an area where we we we've really started to wrap up uh, since I've been on board is to become, um, you know, uh, much more clear that we would like to partner. Now, that said, if you, you know, partnering makes a lot of sense, but often you have to define what you're willing to partner on, and, and again, that goes back to the strategy itself, right? So, being very clear about what you what you where are areas where you would love to get partnerships on is also very important. Uh, and, and you know, and, and in the case, for example, um, in, uh, in in Sundarby right now, in, in, in all our key sectors, we were looking for areas where we can partner with uh, other uh, companies to help accelerate, you know, uh, some of our innovation. So, so it is something that we're actively looking at, and, and other companies like Procter & Gamble, uh, in my previous experience, I think also have done a very good job of, you know, either bringing in technology from the outside or, or partnering with companies to help accelerate ideas.
0: And we're almost out of time here, unfortunately. But is is there? Do you have a one project that yeah, that's not too confidential that you can share that you're working on, at Simon Darby, that you're especially excited about, or maybe a new initiative?
1: Well, I mean, I, I, you know, really there's, there, there are more, like, in Derby, Darby, there were lots of things that I'm excited about. I, I think one of the things <laughs> I would say that I'm, I'm most excited about is, uh, the opportunity, I, 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 call it, you know, our, our digital revolution inside time Darby, right? I, I think the, you know, if you look at, uh, you know whether it's our plantation business or even some of our other uh, businesses I mentioned. I think with the the connectivity that people have with smartphones and, and, and frankly the internet itself, I think it allows us to transform uh, just about everything we do, and, and and largely initially to drive productivity. But but more importantly, uh, I think it, you know there's not a unique opportunity here in Malaysia that I, I'm really excited about because we've we've actually got four. Um, uh, what I call consumer-facing divisions in in Malaysia. I, I mentioned two of them already: properties and, and, and motors. Uh, those are two big businesses here in Malaysia. But we actually have two other businesses that are small businesses, but 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 they're 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 actually. You know, interesting to look at because we've also got a healthcare business, which is a 50-50 joint venture with an Australian company called Ramsey Samgarbi. And we also have a, a minority interest in, uh, in Tesco, which is a, a, mm-hmm. a large supermarket chain in, in Malaysia. So, so if you combine these four businesses, you know, you're, you're touching a lot of Malaysian consumers' lives on a daily basis, you know, and, and even think about it, it's, it's, it's food, um, uh, mobility, uh, shelter and health. So these are really, you know, wow. common, yeah. Yeah. you know, pain points for many, many consumers. So, so I think one of the exciting things um, we've got going on is something we call Time Derby Connect, which is a, which is really going to be a platform um, uh, that that you know gives a gives the consumer in Malaysia at least, because that's where we have all four of these sort of really in play, um, a, a more connected experience, and this is not just about our loyalty program or. Or you know, like I mean, those things are those things do exist, and there will be something about that. But it's really making that customer experience much more uh, integrated. So if you if you happen to own one of our properties and you show up at 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 one of our hospitals, we'll we'll know you by name. Mm. We'll be able to greet you. We'll be able to give them a much better, you know, uh, you know, customized experience than than if you if you didn't. Uh, And I think that's what I think the, the opportunity. So I'm always looking for that intellectual challenge too. And I think. You know, uh, digital is, revolution's already here, but I, I look at what people are doing with digital. It's largely, you know, mark, cross-marketing and cross-promotions, right? Yeah. You get all yeah. these little, you know, <laughs> you know blasts yeah, that tells you, hey, <laughs> you got this <laughs> gone here, this gone there. So, honestly, I think that's, that's that's nice, but it's not like really changing the consumer experience, really. You're just giving them deals. But if you can truly change the consumer experience, meaning by, by knowing your customer better and you can give them a different experience in each of the, each of their um, touch points that you have with them. And then you then you're on to something. Then you're really doing something different for that person. So, mm-hmm. so that's uh, that's what I'm really personally excited about. I mean I got a lot more but uh, uh, but I'm you know excited to see how that thing we're going into pilot on that later this year and uh, we'll be monitoring that pretty carefully.
0: Wow. What a yeah, what a wonderful opportunity to I mean you're in such a, a rare um, circumstance there that you, that you cross so many different sectors uh, you know Know, yeah. In a small country Well, well, you,
1: well you know, when probably. I was at, you know, when, when a lot of, you know, what you see in supermarkets and you'll see from traditional marketing companies or FMCG or companies and other things is, you know, they'll sort of cross promote, you know, Procter does this very really yeah. well, Procter Gamble, you know, they'll say, you know, Tide and they bundle it with Downey or they'll, they'll sell, Toothpaste with Crest with Oral I mean, that's all fun, but really, at the end of the day, you're just cross-promoting your your products, and, and that works. And that, in our case, it's really about you know differentiating an experience to the consumer. So I, I really want this digital platform to help us give a better experience than they would otherwise get if they you know if, you know with an any of competitors. So, so I think mean that's a, that's what's unique about it. I'm I'm hopeful that you know. Well, again, it's, it's as I said in the beginning of our call, it, it's about learning, right? So we'll learn some things here. I'm sure some of the things will 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 be right based on our assumptions, and some of the things we'll learn in the market, and we'll have to change our, you know, our and revector to the right, you know, model for us. But but it's important we get out and experiment and, and learn these things.
0: Interesting. Well, that's a good way to uh, end the podcast, which is a uh, quite uh, quite interesting. So I'll be curious to see how that. Uh, that goes the, uh, what do you call it? The connect, um, project. So I'll have to follow up on that, but, uh, really appreciate your time. All right. And he, to hearing your story and your background and that you're a fellow cheese head, that's pretty sweet. <laughs> <We> <laughs> it was my appreciate. pleasure, Dave. I think you I think
1: you did a great job and, uh, we'll be happy to stay connected to you from time to time.
0: That sounds good. And, uh, thanks everyone for listening to another episode of flyer labs. Definitely appreciate it as always. And, uh, Harry, thanks again. And, Um, we'll see everyone next time.